But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Welcome to Field of Heat, where we are bringing you some of the most uncomfortable takes today in sports. I'm your host, Day, along with my co-host, Mr. Webb. How's it going, y'all? Glad to be here for episode seven. Let's get into it. As promised, we will answer any questions that we have. I think we only have one for this episode, but we have plenty of content for you today. So here at Field of Heat, we back up our takes with facts and numbers. Everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs it up with the facts. Feel free to send us your questions or topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Again, that's at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Um, jumping into week two for the NCAA. The conclusion of week two in college football has given us a shakeup inside the top 10 of the coaches poll top 25 rankings. LSU, Notre Dame, Florida, and Auburn all moved up in the newly released rankings on Sunday while Michigan after battling with Army to the wire Saturday, dropped three spots to number 10. Ohio State also dropped one spot to number six after it got after LSU jumped up to number five. So the top 25 teams in the coaches poll is Clemson at number one, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and LSU. What are your uh, thoughts? Um, on the co- the coaches' top twenty five poll. I mean, honestly, I it's kind of it's really it's hard to argue with it. I mean, I agree. I I think everyone's right where they need to be for right now. Um, I I think so too. I think that they have been generous with Michigan. I don't think Michigan should be ranked as high as they are, just because they this wasn't just a a fluke by Army, but we've seen the struggles that Michigan has had with their offense, even when they play uh, mid-Tennessee State the first week. Um, but other than that, the coaches' poll is is pretty accurate. But which um, which teams in the coaches' poll have you been the most impressed with this season so far? Honestly, going into it, I was really excited to see Oklahoma because I wanted to see how Jalen Hurts would performing a new system and he's really silenced a lot of people who had a lot of negative things to say about him when Tua took his spot at Alabama so I think he's he's doing great he's and I'm excited to see him for the rest of the season yeah I didn't really have any doubts about Oklahoma just because their defense was good I mean they have some uh great wide receivers I don't know if you've seen that great spectacular catch by CeeDee Lamb over the weekend, but they're just overall a really good team. I already knew bringing in Jalen Hurts was going to even make them better. I had them, you know, going into the college football playoffs, but like everyone has their own opinion, right? So the team I have been the most impressed with is LSU. I mean, their offense looks fluid, and in recent years, their their offense hasn't played with the pace and consistency that they're playing with now, and they have a defense to match that offense. Excuse me. And they play um, Alabama later in the season and could be a good matchup 
I think that LSU, as far as the SEC West, will be um, the big test to Alabama. I still expect Alabama to win, but if LSU somehow was to pull up the upset, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. But like I was just saying, like like I was saying, people said people were saying online, on social media, even on stuff like first take, Jalen Hurts' accuracy. It was an issue. I mean, like he can't, like he relied on running the running the ball a lot, but he looks really good throwing the ball, running the ball in a new system. That's what I was saying. <clears throat> yeah, I understand that. So there was a near upset in Ann Arbor this weekend as Army tested Michigan into the very last moment, and Michigan, like I said, has been the least impressive going into week three. They are a team that many people, including myself, have thought that they would be better. And they're not that team. The spread offense doesn't work for them because um, they don't have a QB to fit that system, number one. And in result of the offense not being effective and consistent, Michigan's defense is playing on the field more than it should have to. And they have little room for error because the offense is not scoring. But some people say, like, hey, Jim Harbaugh was playing down his opponent. This is what he does. And good thing that Michigan's going on break this week and they're going to have a bye week. But when they return on September 21st against number 14, Wisconsin, they better play up to their opponent because Wisconsin Wisconsin is looking great. And they're not going to take it easy on Michigan. And if Michigan loses this game, their chances for a college football playoff is out the window now. Is 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 Wisconsin a little better than they have in in recent been recent years? Because I know they took a little, they had a little decline after they lost T.J. Watt. But I haven't paid a crazy amount of attention to them. They have been good. They have been really competitive um, at one of the better teams in the in the in the NCAA, especially in the Big Ten. So. They're the first test in the Big Ten and Big Ten play that Michigan's going to see. But if they're not going to step up and play to Wisconsin's level, if they're going to still play like how they played against Army, like I said, their chances of, of getting a college football playoff, playoff berth is slim. And a lot of analysis and experts also have Minnesota as being one of the top teams in the Big Ten. I mean, we will see as Big Ten play goes on, but I'm not I'm not really bought on Minnesota. I like Coach Fleck. I like his coaching technique. I like the way he hypes up his teams. But this is not the Mac. This is Big Ten. I know they have been improving their their record over the last two years that Coach Fleck has been there. But at the same time, this is Big Ten. And uh, if Coach Fleck wants to make a move and he – he wants to make a difference now in Big Ten play. I think the time would be now, being that, you know, Michigan is is not that great. Michigan State's looking good. But right now, the SEC is actually the conference is dominating the polls. I mean, I think they have three teams in the top five and five teams in the top ten. I mean, why do you, why do you think the SEC puts more people in the pros every year than any other conference? They just have more talent. I've been, I've been, telling, I've been telling people for weeks. Michigan is suspect. I mean, DPJ didn't dress, but 
but I'm not sold on him completely either. Tariq Black, to me, is their best receiver. Their running game is suspect. Chris Evans isn't there. They lost Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, and Devin Bush. Michigan is, like, they're overrated. They really are. I think people have really high expectations for Michigan just because of the talent that they do bring in, the coaching staff, and not not to mention their new offensive coordinator, it's from Alabama. So he's the one that has been putting out those explosive plays that we have seen and gotten used to Alabama um, um, doing. But I, I just don't think Michigan is equipped for that type of football with the quarterback that they have. They yeah, have Shea to get not that guy. Yeah, he's not that guy. He's not going to win it for him. Um, I was very oversold on Michigan. I'm not impressed with them. I think if they can find their selves, find their identity when they come back from their bye week, and they go on a three, four game winning streak, or it'll be five games by the end, six games, and they dominate in the Big Ten, then it will be a little bit different. But for now, it's simply they don't look like they're going to have it at all. And going to your Minnesota point, I mean, I mean, maybe I'd, I haven't heard much about Minnesota, but Ohio State is look is playing out of this world. I mean, J.K. Dobbins, and I was really surprised by Justin Fields. I did not expect him to come out and play this well to start. I think everybody talks about um, Jalen Hurts, that his first two games he has nine touchdowns. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Justin Fields has nine touchdowns as well. And he's, I believe, I believe the third, the first game, week one, I think he was he over 200 yards passing? He was over 200 yards passing, and I think he was over 100 yards rushing as well. Yeah, and I, he was over 200 yards passing in week two as well. I think Ohio State really does have a chance, again, to be, you know, the better team in the Big Ten. They look great. I mean, they look very fluent with their offense. They look very confident. They're they're very efficient. So Michigan, they have to step it up because there's a lot of teams that believe now just because one coach is gone from Ohio State, they have the opportunity to seize the moment to become Big Ten champions. And by the way, we have to see what Michigan State does going into Big Ten play, but don't sleep on them either. Yeah. Like, I'm a Michigan State fan, but I'm I'm just going to put it out there now. Ohio State's my, my favorite to win the Big Ten. I'm just going to put that out there. They're my pick. That's not a bad choice. Moving forward to NFL week one. Was the NFL's 100th season started out with more A-B drama, of course, as he had demanded to be released from Oakland. Now, mind you, we aired an episode on Friday that we said, okay, A-B has settled his differences with the coaches and, and the GM for now. He was going to line up and play on Monday Night Football for the Raiders. And no shorter than after we posted the cast, Saturday morning, he demanded a trade. He wanted to be released. Excuse me. He wanted to be released from the team. And we didn't think that Oakland would release them, release them for reasons that they needed wide receivers. But I guess um, they, they didn't think that. And now he's a patriot. So the question becomes, is AB drama, now that it's over, and he's where he wants to be. Is he a clown 
or a finesse king? I I think he's a clown still. I mean, I think he's a clown. Because the Patriots don't need him. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they do not need him to win another ring. So he better go to New England and act right if he wants to win a, wants to win a ring. They need don't that. need him. He needs them to solidify his career. But just like Kevin Durant joined the Golden State Warriors, if the Patriots win a Super Bowl this year, will there be an asterisk next to Antonio Brown's championship? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think football is a little different. Like, in I terms agree. of joining teams and stuff. Oh, no, I totally agree with you. So, I'm say this. I'm definitely over his drama. But I don't think he's a clown. I think he's a finesse king. Like, think about this. The reports were... The, the, I don't understand why the reports started coming out after he demanded a release and got uh, signed by the Patriots hours later. And not, not, not long hours, like quick hours. So... This was in a matter of maybe four or five hours after his release, he was signed to the Patriots. But the reports started coming out that originally he wanted out of Pittsburgh, right? Yeah. And he wanted to trade them. He wanted the the Pittsburgh Steelers to trade him to the Patriots. And they're like, hell no, they're our rivals, you know? So they sent him to Oakland for a third and fifth round pick. And then when he got there, he tried, I believe that he tried to find ways to get out of there. Even after they said, hey, you got 30 mil coming guaranteed over two years, he know he he knew in his heart that his best chance to win the championship was to get on a championship caliber team that had a championship caliber quarterback. And, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. I, I don't think he you. ever had intention on staying in Oakland. You know, I don't think that was ever a problem. So he tried to finesse his way out of getting out of there, and that's what he did. Right. And that's what people that's what people are saying. People are saying, was that his plan all along? Was there some tampering involved on the Patriots end to get him? I mean, why would you leave 20 guaranteed million dollars, which I mean, 30, 30 guaranteed million dollars, which you asked for in the first place. You file three, two grievances over the helmet. Then you threaten your GM and he wanted to be released after they fined him uh, for activities detrimental to the club so they could pull his guaranteed money. That's why they. Wa- that's why he wanted the release, but I think that was his plan all along. I believe it was his plan all along, but I believe also the Patriots, I don't think there was really any tampering going on on their side. It may have been in talks when he was demanding a trade back when he was with Pittsburgh. I think this was more so Antonio saying, listen, Oakland just offered me $30 million over two years. I just set the market for my value at wide receiver. So he knew if he got out of Oakland, no matter if he was going to go play for the Patriots, the Lions, the Falcons, whoever, anywhere he was signed, he was eligible for at least $30 million, or of a one-year deal like it is with the Patriots, $15 million. Which is... <laughs> which isn't that which isn't much compared to what the Raiders were willing to give him. Yes, but the Raiders was giving him that 30 million over two seasons. And the no, Patriots they were have him that 30 up front. Oh, was it over two seasons? It was over two seasons. Okay. 
thirty million over two seasons. So the Patriots basically said, "Listen, we'll bring you here. We'll give you fifteen, but you're gonna have to hit these markers and these incentives in order to get the fifteen guaranteed." Number one. Number two, we're gonna even do you a better deal. We're gonna give you twenty million dollars for season two if you decide to return as a player option. So not only did the Patriots go get one of the best receivers in the league, but they also give him $35 million over two years. So he really won. Yeah. His actions were clownish, but his strategy was very, very smart. Not traditionally. Go ahead. I just think in doing, yeah, it was ingenious. It was an ingenious plan for him to get to the Patriots, but look at all the damage he's done to his reputation and his report. Report, yes. whatever the yes. whatever the word is. I don't think it was really worth it. I mean, unless he really wanted a ring, and then ultimately it is worth it because I wouldn't care. Well, yes, that's 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 the thing. Um, his reputation is tarnished now. But what happens if AB goes out there now? They're not sure he's going to play week two against the Dolphins. But let's just say that he goes out there. And, you know, he gets something like a thousand yards, over a thousand yards receiving. And what if he leads the league in touchdowns again, like he did last season, and then goes on to win the Super Bowl? People really aren't going to be talking about that. There is going to be a forgotten thought. Like it'll be something that people laugh at. But that's besides the point. I hope that his drama stays away from the cameras. I hope he works out in, in the Patriots. If not, then he's really going to be the clown. If he gets released by the Patriots for anything uh, regarding behavioral issues, he's really going to be the clown of the show. And I think this, I think this, uh, all this is going to have a massive impact at the, at the end of his career when it comes time to decide whether he gets in the Hall of Fame, you know, like with T.O., with, with, with Terrell Owens, the same thing, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. What he doesn't understand, maybe he doesn't care about that, but at the end of the day, what you don't understand is you don't have the power by yourself to get into the Hall of Fame. You have to get voted in. And the media and the writers and the coaches and all the people that do the voting, they remember stuff like that. Like the fans, after a while, they forget. Your teammates, after a while, they forget. And they move on. It happens all the time in sports where people do clownish things, but then they come and win championships and people forget about that small chapter in their life. Right. So which teams are you upset about going into week one and which teams surprised you this week? Which team was I upset about? You mean in week two? And no, in week one of the NFL. Oh, in week one. I think I was very, I was very disappointed in the lions. I mean, Technically, they didn't lose, but considering the offseason moves they made, I was expecting a lot more against the Arizona Cardinals, and they had a rookie quarterback. Yeah, the, the, the Lions did the traditional Lions stuff. Get up big, go into the fourth, and blow the, blow the lead. And that's what they do. I mean, I just expect it with them, so I'm not upset. But it's just like, wow. Like, well, you guys can never finish a game, really? Which team surprised you? Team surprised me? The Titans. Definitely the Titans against the Browns. I was not expecting Derrick Henry to get off on the Browns like he did. 
Would he have like so, two rushing two rushing touchdowns or something? Right. And then uh, Delaney Walker, he I think he had two receiving touchdowns. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Delaney Walker looked really good. And A.J. Brown looked really good, another receiver for the Titans. Um, but who did not look good was Corey Davis, who did not get one reception that game. Not one. And I think his snap percentage was like at 43%. So what that is, that is crazy. The team I'm upset about is a, it's a tie between the Browns and the Falcons. But I'm more upset with the Falcons because I really don't have high hopes for the Browns right now. The Falcons not only went into Minnesota and got beat, but they just got they got slaughtered. Did Matt Ryan though, throw like four interceptions? He threw two interceptions, but I picked the Vikings to win that game for their defensive reasons. And Julio Jones had six receptions for 31 yards, and Devontae Freeman had eight rushing attempts for 19 yards. So where was the offense? I mean, eight rushing attempts? This is all you think this guy is worth? It's just the same thing as what the Giants did with Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley. His second rush of the game, he had 59 yards rushing. And then after that, he only had eight more carries or something like that. It's ridiculous. You guys have these guys that are workforce in the backfield and you don't feed them. I don't understand the whole only eight rushing yards and only six receptions for Julio. And, and even though Matt Ryan had 304 passing yards, he had uh, two interceptions that game. One of them was in the end zone. And one of them was in the end zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the touchdown by Julio Jones, you have to take into consideration, came at trash time. So I, I don't know. The Falcons have to get it together. I don't think they have ever really been um, a great team ever since they blew the Super Bowl lead. But hopefully as the season goes, they find themselves and do something with themselves because that's, that was just sad. That was just really sad. But the team that surprised me was the Oakland Raiders. So instead of letting the AB drama drain them, it actually motivated them to prove everyone that they were a good team, at least a solid team. I mean, I don't think any of us have them going to the playoffs or anything like that. But they dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, the rookie Josh Jacobs probably had the best rookie debut this week outside of Hollywood Brown. And he had 85 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Terrell Williams had six receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. Darren Waller had seven receptions for 70 yards. Um, Derek Carr looked great. He was six for 17 in the first half. But I, I, I heard Stephen A. say it this morning. I'm not so sure that it was Oakland that was really good or the Broncos defense that was really bad. The defense didn't play well. Their offensive line did not protect Joe Flacco at all. But we'll see how well they perform next week when they, they face off Kansas City. Their defense is – Kansas City's defense is suspect. So, I mean, and t- with Tyreek Hill being sidelined, they might get a chance. They might get a chance. There'll be little room for error, I'll tell you that. So, Lamar Jackson sure. – Lamar Jackson is one of the biggest stories uh, from week one as he threw for 324 yards and five touchdowns. He can probably do the same against Arizona's defense, which he will face in week two. With that being said, is Hollywood Brown's performance a fluke or will we see, or will we see a similar performance throughout the season? I think he's still going to be good, but I think he's going to simmer down just a little bit, you know? But I, 
We at least we know how high his ceiling can really go. But I think it'd go higher. I mean, gosh, I mean, he's so fast, man. He's super fast. Um, he had like four receptions for 147 yards and two touchdowns. He looked like he was just toying around with the defense of the Dolphins and, and not sure that he could do this every week, like you said. But definitely he has upside to be reliable and um, a frequent target for Lamar Jackson. I mean, again, you got to think about who they're playing. They're playing the Dolphins. I mean, who's their best DB? Is Avian Howard? If they still have him? The thing is, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's the NFL. If you're on the NFL roster, you're on the NFL roster for a reason. Yeah, the Dolphins are trash. We all knew that going into the game. But anybody could sit here and say that they expected Lamar Jackson to have five touchdowns, the team to put up 50-something points against Miami, they'd be lying to you. So it was it was still an impressive win for Lamar Jackson. It was an impressive performance by a rookie, Hollywood Brown. It's not like this was a veteran doing this. He's a rookie. It's his first time ever playing in an NFL game. So... Um, like I said, he he has plenty of upside. The Dolphins, uh, the players, they just looked like they didn't want to be there. And that's what it was. It was just practice. It looked like for Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews and, and, and Mark Ingram. It was just a slugfest, you could say that, on their side of the ball, not Miami's. Right. The Dolphins are officially the laughing stock of the NFL. And it's like, Oh my God, man! This is this is just terrible. The the Dolphins may pull a Lions. They may pull a Lions and go on sixteen. And there's a story that so many players for the Dolphins have called their agents and said, "Hey, we want to get out of this place. It's terrible." The question is, if you were playing, especially on defense for the Dolphins last week, who was going to trade for you? Because as bad as your team is. You don't look impressive or hold any value right now because of how bad you performed on defense or offense or whatever position you played. And that's why players are demanding to be traded and and they're trying to escape that. I mean, this is their career. This is their future. They don't have a QB and they clearly don't have a defense. So if I'm a GM and and my representative calls me from Miami and says, hey, do you want X and O from, you know, he's a safety. I don't want him. He got embarrassed all week last week and probably going to see the same thing against the Patriots. So if you have any Patriots starters in your fantasy football uh, teams, you should start that Patriot because it's going to be the same story again. I mean, I think the only time that they might have a chance to win would be at something like if they play Arizona. I'm not sure if they do or if they play Buffalo because Buffalo doesn't have a quarterback, so it's going to rely on all their defense. Buffalo has Buffalo's defense. They're not in the sneeze at. I mean, they're they're competent. They're pretty good. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's going to come down to defense on both ways because clearly Buffalo doesn't have a quarterback, I and mean, clearly Miami doesn't have a quarterback. I think they have one good chance to get a W, and that might be at Buffalo or Arizona. I'm just not sure if they play Arizona. I know they play Buffalo this year. And it's just sad. I mean, the coach said that they weren't tanking. But it looks like they're tanking to me. They are the laughing stock right now. It's obvious they're tanking. Obvious. And no matter what the coaches say, no matter what the reports are, 
is just terrible right now to be a Dolphins fan. But if I listen, was, to, go ahead, go ahead. The Browns tanked for an entire, for just about an entire decade. Pretty much, if not longer. Maybe I think everybody long. knows what tanking looks like. I mean, didn't the Lions tank a couple years ago when they went on 16? I don't care what nobody says. That's tanking. I don't think they tanked. I personally don't think they tanked. I think they were just that bad. They was just that bad. You think they were just that terrible? I think they were maybe just the, that bad. Maybe the players didn't tank, but the thing on front office, they really did tank in their in their picks and all that. So, so this question here is for Webb from... And forgive me if I pronounce your name wrong, Deltonian. Why don't you just put us a, a nickname? Because I'm not even sure I just pronounced that right. It says, Webb, I heard Day say who her favorite team is the last show. But who is your favorite team and why? I mean, personally, I don't have a favorite NFL team. Because, I mean, the Lions are my home team. But you, you've seen week one. You know, You know what the Lions are. How can I root for them? How can you? It's so hard to be a Lions fan. I just, I just like to watch everybody. I don't have a specific team that I like. I just like to watch everyone. But if I had to pick a favorite team that I liked, it would probably be Minnesota because I like Kirk Cousins because I'm a Michigan State fan also. So if I had to pick, it would be the Vikings. That's tough. I mean, because he. The, the Vikings are in the NFC North and Detroit Lions are in the NFC North. And if they're both are terrible, who would you choose? I guess you have to go with the Lions. That's your home team. Yeah, but you see why I said I don't have a favorite team because that's the confliction right there. I got you. I understand. Hope that answered your question, um, Delt- Deltonian, whatever your name is. Okay, jumping into the NBA season before we get ready to wrap up for today. As teams are getting ready to start training camp, which rookie are you most excited to see? Which rookie am I most excited to see? Here, just come back to me. What's your what? What's yours? Just come back to okay, me. Okay, so for me, the easy answer would be like um, for anybody, Zion, right? But... I'm looking yeah. forward, actually, to see his college teammate, R.J. Barrett of the New York Knicks. Um, he's a small forward, if anybody doesn't know who play, who could, who can play the two if he needs to. He averaged 23 points in college and eight rebounds while he was at Duke. And I'm just curious to see how his game transitions in the NBA. So many years we see guys who come into the league and their games never transition. They bounce from team to team. I, I don't think that the New York team automatically just transforms and become a it becomes a playoff team in the East. But I hope that they improve more than what they had last year. They have the additions, I think, of uh, Julius Randle. Um, and one of the, one I want to say, one of the Morris brothers are there too, if I'm not mistaken. But that's how much I pay attention to New York Knicks. I really don't pay attention to their ball, but I do like RJ um, Barrett. I was able to see him play in summer league here in Vegas over the summer and he looks really good. I mean, he can shoot the ball. He can get to the hole. I mean, he has a really good game and um, that's my pick. Uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but hopefully something um, very productive for the Knicks. Okay. I guess my, the guy that I'm looking, I want to see is Ja Morant because he's fearless when going at the rim. That's he's the got a good shot. Um, uh, where'd he go? 
Murray State, and he's with Memphis, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that would have been my number two pick behind R.J. Barrett. Yeah, he's nice. Go ahead. Well, yeah, like I said, he's fearless. Go- he's fearless going at the rim. He can really go upstairs and, and posterize somebody. We've seen him do that a couple of times at Murray State. He's got a good shot. He's got good vision. He was averaging 10 assists in college, so he can pass the ball. He can shoot. I mean, he's got every, he's got everything he needs. He's got everything he needs. I'm just curious to see how his grant, how his game will translate and what it'll really flourish to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I can't say right now that he's like a, a step up from Michael Conley because Michael Conley is a really good point guard. But yeah. he brings a different type of game to Memphis that they really need from their point guard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that Memphis doesn't have like a big supporting cast, but it's a good chance for him to learn. Who knows if he really pans out in Memphis or let's say like his rookie contract is over and he goes somewhere else and takes what he's learned so far into the NBA and contributes to a team where he can play a more competitive, um, you know, team overall to get to a championship. I think that's the goal for all professional athletes, at least for the ones that are really competitive is to win a championship. So, yeah, that's a good pick. I like that one. That would have been my number two. And it's just so easy for everybody to say Zion, but, I mean, if you really dig in, I mean, if you had to look at the top ten picks in the NBA draft this season, you know, who are you really excited to see? We've all – everybody knows Zion, but there's, like you said, like Morant, people who don't really follow basketball as close as others may not know who he is, but that's a guy that you definitely should check out his highlights from college. He did not play in the summer league, which I was um, I was very dissatisfied with that because of an injury, but nonetheless, his team won the NBA Summer League Championship, so that's what's up. He, he's an aggressive, he's an aggressive scorer. I mean, and he to me, he shows the ability to really be able to inject himself in the offense and produce when when it needs to happen, and I think that's something that Memphis really needs, especially in a point guard. Absolutely. As the um, NBA playoffs start on Wednesday, listen up to the way the NBA has set up their playoffs for the season. Now, I have never heard of this strategy, but just listen and, and let me know what you think. Another WNBA NBA season has come and gone. After 34 games for each team, the 2019 playoffs are set or at least the first round matchups are, as teams will be reseeded after every round. The action gets underway tomorrow night with two single elimination matchups. Yes, I said single elimination. No five game series, no seven game series, nothing like that. The WNBA's unique playoff format features single elimination contests in both the first and second rounds. So the second round is set for the number three seed and the number four seed. So the number three and the four seed get um, a first a first game by and then a number one and two seed gets a first uh, round and second round by and these are just single eliminations so if you win the game you move on to the next round if you don't then you're still going you know you're going home you're going fishing so the the affiliation with the playoffs for the WNBA is no longer rele- relevant for the postseason with the top eight teams from each conference making the playoffs it's just the top eight teams of the league period. And then the seeds five through eight, they will play the first round of elimination. So I thought that was kind of a cool twist. I don't think it ever could be done in the NBA that way because there are so many teams, but 
I do think that, that maybe they could go to a non-affiliated playoff format because sometimes, you know, in the East especially, if you win 30 games, you could get the eighth seed. But there might be somebody in the West who won 45, 48 games that are ninth or 10th place and they can't get into the playoffs. So I think that's something that um, the NBA could get into. I just thought it was – I don't think I've ever heard of a single elimination game as far as playoff goes. What do you think about that? Honestly, I like it. I think it will really bring the best out in them, to be honest. And I'm only, I'm really only interested in seeing a couple a couple different players. I'm not really huge on watching the WNBA. I, I know, right? But, I mean, I guess my my favorite players would be like Asia Wilson, Las Vegas, Las Vegas Aces. That's 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 where I'm at. But I like the way they set up the playoff system, especially with the first and second round bye type stuff. Yeah, it's definitely unique. I like it. It's definitely unique, and you're thinking that the seeds one through four, they get um, you know, the bye week. They get the first bye week, their first bye game for their first round, and then you have the three and four. They're going to play the winners of the first round elimination. So it really makes you have to focus on your strategy and how you're going to play the games up to their matchups and things of that sort. And I think it will also bring more viewership because now we're not sitting here watching a five-game series. We're literally watching one game for these people to fight for their lives to get to the, the or their careers to get to the WNBA championship. And I think the the favorites are the Washington um, the Mystic, uh, Washington Mystics, their number one, and the Connecticut Sun. And then the Las Vegas Aces and the LA Sparks are three and four. So um, there's a potential that, you know, we could see some really good matchups for the WNBA starting tomorrow. I like I like Della Don. She was the MVP last season. And honestly, I think them cutting it to single to single elimination games will really make more people watch because it's only one game. You know what I mean? Exactly. For that team. Yep. So game uh, first round will be Chicago Sky will host the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, Mer- Mercury, excuse me. By the Seattle Storm will host the Minnesota Lynx. And if you know, the Minnesota Lynx lost their best player. Um, as she's not, she says she found a, a bigger purpose in life and. You know, she's already won Rookie of the Year. Baya Moore, we're talking about. She's already won championships. So she feels as though she has completed what she's supposed to do in the WNBA. She may make a return next season, but she's on doing something else. So it will be a test for the Minnesota Lynx as they have lost their best player. So I would just say this to all the ladies in the WNBA. Just seize the moment. Um, like, Eminem, like Eminem once said, you only got one shot. So go ahead and seize that moment for your career to get to that championship. Um, also, in other news, Serena Williams lost the U.S. Open. Will this be the last we see of Serena? Do you think? No, of course not. I think this was just... I, I, I don't think... I mean, other than Floyd Mayweather, I don't think anybody's really unbeatable. I mean, I don't think... I don't even think Floyd's unbeatable, but... I think... He's I, don't, He's I think she'll be back. I think she'll keep winning. I think this was just a bump in the road you know it's just sports you you win some you lose some okay but i think you're right about serena but let me back up real quick before we wrap up i know we got to get ready to get out of here you said you don't think floyd is unbeatable but he's 50 and all so he's proven to be unbeatable in his career 
Say that one more time. You said that you didn't think Floyd was unbeatable, but he's 50. No, I mean, personally, I really felt like Pacquiao should have won, but we can save that for a later episode. Okay, that's fine. So coming up on Friday, we will have our picks for week two of the NFL games of the week and the games of the week for week three of NCAA football. Please don't forget to put in your questions before um, Friday so we can get you some answers out there. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes our episode. Uh, in the meantime, send in your questions. Like I just said, you can do so by texting us. Um, you can write us on Twitter at fieldtheheat underscore KW. Again, that's fieldtheheat underscore KW. You can also write us on anchor.fm forward slash fieldtheheat forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash fieldtheheat forward slash forward slash message. I'm your host, Day. And my co-host Webb will now leave you with his last words. Honestly, I'm good. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm I'm honestly ready to record episode eight. So I'm, I'll see y'all on the next episode. All right. Catch you guys later. Have a good have a good week. <laughs>